0: Welcome to the Bigger Insights Privacy and Security Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about password managers and why you need one. We wrote an article about this on our website, biggerinsights.com. If You go there, click the little search icon, type in password managers, it should show up. And in that article, there are links and pictures and examples and things like that that are kind of difficult to communicate through audio. Uh, So if you're interested, go check that out some experts talk about passwords being on their way out there are a lot of limitations to passwords and basically how people use and manage them Uh, however we still think that they're very important and they're going to play an important role in people's lives for many years to come i don't know about you guys but last time i checked i have about 450 unique sets of credentials that i've managed over the years Some of those have since been closed, but it's still quite a bit to manage. And, you know, I acknowledge that the average person probably doesn't have that many, but you probably have more credentials than you realize. You actually sit down sometime and list out all of your email accounts, social media, online shopping, school accounts, government accounts, work accounts. Um, It's a lot and if you're not using a password manager my question for you is what are you using from our research and experience chances are what you're doing is using really insecure passwords or reusing them over and over or storing them in a really insecure manner like in a text file or an excel file on your desktop or in dropbox or something like that so Before we talk about what exactly a password manager is, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about why they're important and why your passwords are probably a lot more vulnerable than you think that they are. So every year, Verizon does what they call a data breach investigations report. You can look it up and read them. They're they're actually pretty interesting. So in 2022, they concluded that about 80% of data breaches in web applications were more or less due to stolen credentials. Now, there's a lot of detail and nuance in there, but one of the key takeaways is a huge amount of the problems that we have in the cybersecurity world are due to weak passwords, reused passwords, and poorly stored passwords. So that sounds kind of Depressing, but at the same time, that means that we have a lot of low hanging fruit here. Where if we can teach people how to use and store strong passwords, then we can really do a lot of good. Along those lines, there are a couple of key things to keep in mind. One is that a compromised password can ruin your life, it can ruin your life, it can ruin your business. And I think one of the most important things that people are missing is that it is incredibly easy to crack the average person's password. So before we go on, let's talk a little bit about passwords in general. So generally speaking, passwords are used for third-party access. So when you go online and you create an account somewhere and you set a password, Most of the time, that's just used for accessing your account. It's not end-to-end encrypted. And what's important about that is we believe that a lot of people have a false sense of security because they think to themselves, well, when I sat down and I created my password, nobody saw me type that in. Nobody knows what my password is. Therefore, my password is secure, my account secure, my data secure, and that's generally not the case. If your password is not being used to encrypt your data, it's just used to prevent somebody from signing into your account. What that means is that, first of all, your password is being stored. So if you go to Feces book and you make an account, they store a hashed version of your password. And There's a couple of issues with that. One is you don't know how they're hashing and storing your password. It's possible that they're not hashing it at all and just storing it in plain text. And the other issue is they don't need to know what your password is to access your data. Now this is a little bit more of a privacy concern than it is a security concern, but when you store data in most third-party services, they don't use your keys to encrypt your data, they use their keys. So not only can they access your data anytime they want, for any reason they want, without knowing your password, but the fact that they're storing your password makes it vulnerable to a data breach. So when we talk about password hashing, what we're referring to is, your passwords start in plain text and then they're run through a one-way hash function. And what this does is, It converts your plain text password into a string of characters that make it difficult for someone to figure out what the original plain text password was. Now, any legitimate service should be hashing and salting your password, but every once in a while we do find one that's not doing that, either not doing it at all or using a really weak hashing function, which makes your passwords vulnerable to being cracked. So, another thing that a piece of software or a service should be doing to try to prevent people from cracking your password is rate limiting. So, if you go to, you know, Feces Book or Google or whatever, and you type in someone's username and try to start guessing their password, you're going to run into rate limiting. So, after a few failed attempts, they might start to slow you down. They might tell you to, you know, try again in 10 minutes or block your connection or something like that. So that's great. But between the rate limiting and hashing and all these other techniques, you know, we're we're concerned that these give people a false sense of security. So when you think about somebody trying to break into your accounts or crack your password, what kind of things come to mind? I think that what most people are thinking is one person sitting down at their computer, going to fecesbook.com, typing in your email address, and just guessing passwords over and over until they get in. But that's not really how it works. Um, Typically, passwords are cracked using automated means and in bulk. So it is possible that someone will sit down and try to guess your passwords, but don't let that give you a false sense of security. Typically what happens is a service provider gets hacked, and then somebody will get into their systems and download all, all of their database contents. And what's in there is you know, your username, your email address, and what should be in there is a hashed version of your password. So once they get all that information, the rate limiting is out the window because now their hash password is on their system. They don't have to abide by rate limiting. They're now only limited by their CPU or their GPU. So at that point, the only thing that's really protecting you is how strong your password is or how well it's hashed. If it's hashed with a very weak algorithm like MD5 or something, then there's a good chance that someone's gonna crack your password. But beyond just the automated means, uh, I I think a lot of people have a false sense of security about their accounts and data because they think to themselves, well, I'm not Elon Musk. So why would anybody take the time to try to hack my accounts? And what you need to understand about that is a lot of this is not just automated, it's not personal and it's done in bulk. Okay, so like when uh, LinkedIn got hacked, somebody dumped their database contents and tried to crack every single account that was in there. So even if you think that you don't matter to anybody or nobody knows who you are or whatever, that has nothing to do with anything. This is not personal. So the key takeaway here is to not delude yourself into believing that you're safe either because you think Nobody on the planet knows your password and nobody would have any reason to target you individually. That's not how this works. Let's switch gears to a concrete example to help drive this point home. So I saw a story a little while ago about a guy in Israel. He just happened to notice that a lot of his friends and neighbors used phone numbers as their Wi-Fi passwords. So he was interested in this and and wanted to see if this was a common thing or if it was just an anomaly that he noticed. So he put a little kit together with a laptop and a cheap Wi-Fi monitoring device, which you don't even really need, by the way. I mean, a lot of Wi-Fi cards in laptops can be operated in monitoring mode, which basically allows it to listen to and capture any Wi-Fi traffic that's within range. But anyway, that's what he did. And he walked around a few neighborhoods and ended up picking up about 5,000 Wi-Fi password hashes. So he went back home and used his laptop to try to crack them. And the first thing that he tried was to see how many people were using phone numbers as their passwords. Within just a matter of minutes, he was able to crack about 2,200 of the 5,000 Wi-Fi networks because they were using a phone number as a password. Now, you should never do that. A phone number is an incredibly weak password. You're almost better off not even having a password at that point because even a modest computer can crack a 10-digit number as a password in about one to two seconds. You know, it's not like this guy was running an HPC or something. He was on a very modest laptop. So if you're using a phone number as your Wi-Fi password, I would pause this podcast right now, and I would change that as soon as possible. So after that, he ran a dictionary attack, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, It's a very simple concept. Anybody can do it. And that allowed him to crack 900 additional passwords. So... By this point, he's got uh, between 60 and 70% of the 5,000 Wi-Fi networks cracked in literally just a couple of hours. And just to help drive the point home about using a phone number as a password, even though this guy was using you know, a relatively weak laptop, his CPU was able to guess 194,000 hashes per second which is actually quite poor. I mean, if, if he was using a desktop with, you know, array of decent GPUs, that could be well in the millions. So just keep that in mind when you're creating passwords. If, if they're relatively weak, it really wouldn't take someone that much effort to use a system that can guess millions of passwords per second and crack your password even if they can't use more sophisticated techniques. And while this particular incident occurred in Israel, you know, we're under the impression that this is probably a worldwide problem. So just from my personal experience, I recall one time I was at a professional services firm and I wanted to get on their Wi-Fi and I asked one of the employees there what their Wi-Fi password was and the guy who owned the place said, it's our phone number. And I have heard of other people using their phone number as their Wi-Fi password. So not only is that incredibly weak and very easy to crack, but once somebody does crack that, now they also know your phone number. So now let's talk about how people create passwords when they're not using a password manager. So because we use a password manager, every single password we use is long, random, and unique. And There's no way that a human being could do that without storing them in some way, like a password manager. So what people do instead is oftentimes they'll reuse passwords over and over. And there's a lot of problems with doing that. We mentioned before that some services might be storing your password in plain text. So in that case, even if you are using a strong password, if it's sitting on someone's server in plain text, you know, their employees can see that, their contractors might be able to see that. And if anybody hacks into their servers and downloads that, then at that point, it doesn't matter how strong your password is because they have it and they can use it directly. And since password reuse is such a common problem, once somebody gets a hold of your password, one of the things that they'll usually try is finding your other accounts and seeing if you're using the same password and if you are then they can get into any other account that uses that password and that might sound a little far-fetched to some people but what you need to understand about that is a couple things one oftentimes credential stuffing is is automated so it's not like somebody's necessarily sitting there and going to You know, thousands of random websites and typing in your credentials to see if they work. And another thing is there are a lot of websites out there where you can type in people's email addresses, usernames, phone numbers, and things like that, and pull up a list of their known accounts. So credential stuffing isn't just, you know, some academic exercise. It's a very real issue and it's a very valid concern. It's why you should never ever reuse passwords. Another problem with reusing passwords or using a password and kind of modifying it a little bit from one system to the next is, and you'll you'll find this out the hard way, is every system has its own rules. So even if you can memorize like a 50 character random highly secure password, that's great until you get to a service that only allow say a 20 character password, or some of them don't allow asterisks, some of them don't allow underscores and so on. So this also makes memorizing passwords very difficult. I remember not too many years ago, I had an account at a financial institution where their password rules were that your password could be no more than 12 characters, numbers, and lowercase letters only. So for that particular service, they were forcing me to use an insecure password, but luckily I was using a password manager and I could limit that weak password to that system rather than use, say, one weak password for all of my systems. Another thing that people commonly do when they're not using a password manager is they have these Kind of gimmicks that they use to generate passwords and that's usually something like using a name of your pet or your child or your spouse using certain kinds of dates like dates of birth or anniversary dates travel destinations hobbies and so on which of course for most people is you know pretty easy to find out whether those are public records or you know, spammed on social media accounts and whatnot. So you definitely don't want to use that kind of information in your passwords. Um, you know, one thing to, to keep in mind about that is there are tools out there where you can enter in this kind of information and it will generate, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of potential password combinations that somebody might be using with this kind of information. Another thing that we'll notice people doing when they're not using a password manager is we'll see them store their credentials in something like an Excel spreadsheet or put them on a sticky note or something. And it's not that uncommon to see these stories where, you know, malware steals these files off of people's computers or someone makes a video of themselves or takes a selfie or something. And you can see their password on their sticky note in the background so even if you are creating strong passwords you also need to be cognizant of storing them securely and one interesting thing to note about microsoft excel if you actually read through microsoft's documentation and you know their descriptions of things and like the group policy editor and whatnot you can see that microsoft windows has the capability of capturing keystrokes screenshots, mouse clicks, files and stuff, especially when something crashes. So I would also be hesitant to, you know, store sensitive file or sensitive data in an Excel file because there is a chance that uh, some Microsoft employees could get access to some of that data. that's also a reason to consider not using Windows, but that's the subject of another episode. So what does this mean for you? What you need to understand is that people who crack passwords understand these things. They understand how people create passwords. And believe it or not, they have a lot of tools at their disposal that they can use to crack your passwords. So, one of those are password dictionaries. When an attacker gets a hold of one of your hashed passwords, they can only really make use of that by figuring out what the plain text password was that generated that hash. So the hashing is helpful in your case, but it's really only as strong as your password. And the reason for that is because your hash passwords might be in one of these dictionaries. So there are free dictionaries online that anybody can download that basically map hashes with plain text passwords. So, if you take any known password like password one, two, three, or let me in or something like that, anybody can calculate what the hash of that is. So, basically, what people do is they collect known passwords, they hash them and store them in a database. So, if anybody comes across your hashed password and they don't know what it is, they can look it up in one of these dictionaries. And if there's a match, then that positively indicates what your original plain text password was. Now you might not think that your passwords are in there, but what I can tell you is that some of these password dictionaries contain billions of passwords and they get these from old data breaches. So it's possible that you've created an account 15 years ago to buy a t-shirt or something and just forgotten about it and that service has since been hacked they downloaded the database that database contained your hash password it was cracked you know using a number of techniques and eventually those end up on the internet and people put them in these password dictionaries so for the average person i would say it's actually quite likely that at least one of the passwords that you're using is in one of these Password dictionary databases. And this is just one type of attack. There are, you know, probably at least a dozen other ways of cracking somebody's password. And there are all kinds of tools that people can use to do this. I'm not going to name them, but you should also be aware that there are public forums and websites where the hacker community publicly discloses people's credentials. So one of the websites that I have in mind allows anybody, even without an account, to go to it and type in a username, an email address, a phone number, something like that, and pull up, in some cases, many, many, many records from data breaches associated with that information. So when one of our clients asks us to do some reconnaissance on their information, I'd say more than half the time, Uh, with this website, we can find at least one of their passwords. So if you're thinking that some of this sounds kind of like just an academic exercise, where this doesn't apply to you for some reason, I'd say statistically, you're probably wrong, and you're probably in these databases as well. Now, keep in mind, what I'm referring to specifically is one tool that takes, you know, 15 seconds for us to type in someone's information and see what comes up. But there's tons of these out there. And one of the important things worth noting with these kinds of websites is that they might be revealing some information about you that you don't realize. So if you actually go to these websites or you look at common passwords, you'll notice that they contain some information that might be sensitive or you might not want people to see. So we'll see passwords that say things like satan and nazi man and we were actually doing some work for a client and found one of her passwords and it was i love a person's name like let's just say i love bob now one of the things that's interesting about that was this client was married and it wasn't to a bob so you can kind of see how something like that might be misinterpreted or used against you somehow. So in addition to creating strong passwords, also be careful to avoid putting information in there that you wouldn't want someone else to find, just in case if your password is cracked or it's stored somewhere in plain text. And this applies to security questions as well, because sometimes websites get breached and security questions get compromised, and those also end up on the internet. So, we recommend to our clients that when you get security questions, you answer them with random answers and store those in your password manager as well. Because, you know, a question like, What color is your car? or Where's your favorite place to travel? or Our favorite, What's your mother's maiden name? which is basically public record at this point, you don't really want to answer those honestly because a security question is basically just another password and it's usually the last stop before someone gets into your account. So if you are forced to answer a security question, like what's your mother's maiden name, you don't want that to be the real answer because obviously it's very easy for somebody to figure that stuff out and get into your account. But of course, If you're not using a password manager, it's a lot harder to avoid answering those questions honestly, which leaves your accounts vulnerable because let's face it, if if someone wanted to get into your account and they don't know your password and they have no way of obtaining the hashed version of it and cracking it, they could just as well go through the password reset process, which might be as easy as answering one of these questions. And we'll go into more detail about that in a future episode, but we just thought we should mention that here, free of charge. At this point, we'd like to reemphasize that a lot of password cracking attempts are done using automation. And we emphasize this because we're concerned that a lot of people choose weak passwords, or at least passwords that are weak for a computer to guess because they don't envision that that's how their passwords are cracked. They envision someone sitting down at their account and just typing in passwords. So, you know, we would agree if you picked something out random like purple keyboard or something like that, you know, it's true that nobody would probably sit down and guess that, but you just, you have to remember that it's automation that you're trying to fight against automation that can guess millions of passwords per second on even consumer grade hardware. Now in fairness, sometimes people do sit down and guess passwords like those scenes in um, Archer where they're trying to guess the password to get into the mainframe or whatever and it it just turns out to be guessed. That does happen and every once in a while we do see data breaches where the password was something stupid like that, like admin, Username admin, password admin. This does happen, but the standard that you're trying to protect against is automation using dictionary attacks, brute force, and and other techniques. But even if those automated techniques fail, you should be aware that information that is available about you on the internet, particularly social media, can also be used to create probabilistic guesses as to what your passwords may be. And you might not that that's very effective but it is because again people tend to use very common techniques for creating their passwords like using the name of their pet for example which of course on most people's social media they they list that kind of information so if somebody is motivated and they can't crack your password with a dictionary attack or with just brute force or something like that they might resort to, you know, perusing your social media and other sources of information about you to try to come up with more tailored guesses as to what your passwords are. And this is one of, you know, an infinite number of reasons why you should, you know, be very selective about what information you expose about yourself to the internet. You know, you might not think that something like the name of your dog is sensitive information but you know usually it isn't until you use it as a password, which a lot of people do um but we recommend that people just either don't use social media or use it very sparingly because it'll surprise you what kind of information is used for security purposes so one time, I had an issue with one of my banks and they made me answer some identity verification questions to make sure that I was, who I, says I was who I said I was. And one of the two questions was, "What was the color of one of my cars?" And you know, you might not think that that's a big deal, but you know, it, it should make you wonder how hard is that to find out. I mean, first of all, car records are somewhat public record. A lot of BMVs do sell people's car records. And second of all, a lot of people have pictures of them in their cars on social media. So you might not think that a lot of the information that you have on your social media accounts is sensitive until, you know, something like this happens and somebody's able to use that information to breach your accounts. So we've talked a lot about how passwords are cracked, but now let's talk about what happens when passwords are cracked. So obviously if somebody is able to get A hold of one of your passwords they're probably going to use that to access whatever data that was securing whether it's decrypting some data or getting into an account they're probably going to get in there and and check it out but very rarely does the damage stop there it's quite likely that whoever has your password is going to see if you've used that password with you know banks social media email and so on and try to get into those accounts as well. That's an attack called credential stuffing. Should never ever reuse passwords for that reason. And I I think another thing that people do sometimes is they don't necessarily reuse the same password exactly, but they'll memorize a password and then add a little bit to it. So it might be like purple keyboard dash Facebook or purple keyboard dash Twitter or something like that. And that's better than nothing, but if somebody sees that, then they can obviously tell what you're doing, and they can use that to infer what your passwords might be in other systems. So when an attacker is done having their way with you and your accounts, then oftentimes what they do with it is they either sell it to other attackers, or they'll just make them public for free. Um, A lot of passwords from previous data breaches are freely available on forums, particularly on the dark web. And then from that point, I mean, you better hurry up and change them because now there's going to be tons of people looking at those and, and looking to take advantage of you. And even beyond that, what cracked passwords are also used for is improving password cracking tools. So this is something that gets hackers and security researchers really excited is when we get one of these mega data breaches like LinkedIn, where they result in a lot of cracked passwords. People get really excited because we get to see real world examples of how people are creating passwords and how those kinds of trends change over time. So this is a really important point to keep in mind is that We need people to stop believing that their passwords are safe because only they know them. You know, you're a human being just like anybody else, and chances are, if your passwords are not random, that you're using some sort of a mental shortcut to create them that a lot of other people are using as well. So even though only you know your password, you might be making it in such a way that based on how everybody else makes passwords that we've seen, we can guess what your password is, even though we've never seen it before. Now, in fairness, we do recommend that people create random passwords. That's what we do. We've got hundreds of them. They're all long, random, and unique, but a password doesn't necessarily need to be random in order to be secure. You could do something like five, six, or seven completely random words all strung together. That would be very difficult to crack, but, Again, if if you're not using a password manager, it's not realistic. It's just not realistic to do that without reusing them. You know, how can you manage or remember dozens or hundreds of passwords? And if you are using a password manager, you might as well just make them random. All right, so hopefully by this point, we've convinced you that your passwords if you're not using a password manager, are probably more vulnerable than you realize and that you should be using one. So, now let's talk about what actually a password manager is. A password manager is simply an application or a service to help you store your passwords. That's what they are at their most basic level, but you know, over time they add all kinds of, you know, interesting features which can help you manage your passwords like Random password generators, little helpers that show you how strong they are. So, if you put like a phone number in there, it should probably show you some kind of warning telling you that it's extremely insecure. And they'll have things like automatic sign in features for like websites and things like that, and store arbitrary files and whatnot. So, a password manager stores this information in what's typically called a vault, uh, which is basically just an encrypted file. The whole thing should be encrypted. Um, I don't know if you heard about this pass, this most recent LastPass security incident that they've had. They've had several of them, which is why we don't recommend LastPass. Um, and we'll talk about that in a separate episode, but one of the issues with LastPass vaults was they weren't encrypting all of the data that you were putting in LastPass. So there is certain information like website URLs that weren't being encrypted for God knows what reason. I have no idea why they would do that unless they were doing something like, I don't know, selling that information or something stupid like that. So a good, respected password manager should re- should encrypt every piece of information that you type into it and uh, the ones that we recommend do. So we'll go into some more detail in future episodes, but we recommend that our clients use KeyPass or Bitwarden, just depending on what your needs are. You know, we're not sponsored by Bitwarden, they don't even know we exist. And obviously KeyPass doesn't sponsor us because it's free and open source software that you just run locally on your own system. So to start wrapping this up, let's talk about action items. So if you haven't figured it out by now, one of those action items is start using a password manager. And once you get one set up, start replacing your passwords. We recommend that our clients document what accounts they have, which I think a lot of people do. I think they just try to remember them all. Um, But write them down in a secure manner, go down the line and start changing your passwords. And you know, I understand that that's a tremendous amount of work. So what we recommend that people do is start with your most critical accounts, like your email and your bank accounts, things like that. And also make sure you hit all the ones that you reuse passwords with because those can really blindside you. So I'll share a a personal story. So I created my first email account many, many years ago. It was with, you know, one of the biggest email providers at the time. And one day I noticed that someone got into my email account and was sending out Suspicious emails to the people in my contacts list. And I wondered for years how this happened because, you know, this was a major company. This was the type of company that would have disclosed if they had a data breach. And because they didn't, my assumption is that someone got my password and logged into my account. And I wondered for years how could someone have gotten my password? I mean, very few people even knew that this account existed and the password wasn't super bad and it wasn't something that you would guess by looking at the email address so now that i've been studying this stuff for years i i would bet a lot of money that what actually happened was i was probably using that email address and password for other accounts because you know this was decades ago and i was very young and this is just what everybody did so I probably made an account somewhere like some game forum or something. You know, this is one of the reasons why we recommend that people start documenting all of their accounts. Because if you really think about it, if you go back, you know, decades and think about every little website that you went to to create an account, like a forum or um, a website that just sells T-shirts or something like that, you probably have dozens of these accounts that you've forgotten about. And I'd bet a lot of money that one of those got hacked and never disclosed it. And then whoever hacked that site downloaded my information, cracked my password, and then used that to get into my email account. So this is a cautionary tale to encourage you to update your passwords and especially make sure you hit those ones that you've reused with other accounts. Now, I acknowledge that, you know, this episode has been pretty light on the details regarding KeePass Bitwarden, how you actually download, install, and use them, and best practices and things like that. We'll go over those in a future episode. This one is really just focused on convincing you that you should be using a password manager. So please take this seriously. Um, One of the things you need to understand is that you might not care about your security for whatever reason, but Just keep in mind that if you have a security incident, like someone breaks into your accounts, whether those are personal accounts or work accounts, that has the potential to affect not only you, but others around you. That might be your employer, that might be your spouse, your children, or whatever. So please take this seriously, because if somebody can get into your email accounts or your social media, they can do all kinds of things. They can do illegal things, they can spam and scam you know, people in your contact list, they can lock you out of your accounts. But just, just sit down sometime and think about how much damage somebody could do by getting into your accounts. Because if you really think about it, a lot of service providers don't really know who anybody actually is. As far as they're concerned, you're responsible for the security of your of your account. And if somebody takes over your account, it can be very difficult to convince them that you're the actual owner of the account. So if you can imagine somebody getting into your Feces Book account, for example, if you were to contact them and say, hey, somebody took over my account, how are they supposed to know who you are or who they are? You know, most likely what they're going to do is ask you some questions which you either might have a difficult time answering. Um, I've read that if you're trying to recover a Google account, one of the things that they'll ask you is the date that you created the account, which obviously very few people record that information. But, you know, a company like Feces Book, they might be liable to say, hey, we'll only let you recover your account if you upload, say, a government ID, which is pretty sketchy because, you know, as far as we're concerned, they're one of the creepiest companies that the world has ever produced not to mention they've had their own fair share of security incidents. So just imagine giving them, you know, a scan of your driver's license and then later have another security incident and now your driver's license is floating around on the internet. Think about what somebody could do with that. They could open a crypto account using your identity and launder money and all kinds of crazy things. So long story short, take this stuff very seriously because it is very serious that pretty much wraps up this episode hopefully we've convinced you that using a password manager is important if you still don't think that it is you know i don't really know what to tell you other than we'd be very interested to hear how you manage your passwords or you know what makes you think that you're immune from these kinds of issues that we've discussed uh, You know, we'd be very interested in that so if you like this content you know feel free to like it or give us a review But more importantly, please share it with your friends, family, or or whoever, because we really need to get society as a whole to improve their password management practices. I mean, the the data is very clear about how much of a disaster our password management practices are. You know, I mean, obviously, if 80% of our data breaches are the result of poor credential management, this is a very serious problem. And finally, make sure you subscribe because we're producing a lot of great content like this, and we're going to go into more detail about password managers, VPN, Tor, email, text messaging, end-to-end encryption, all kinds of things. So subscribe, stay tuned, and stay safe out there.